We've been talking about making choices, and Joshua is a great example of that. And we sing a song that goes, Dare to Stand Like Joshua. That's because of the choices that he made. Sometimes, you know, we get so busy and uh, life is in such a tizzy. And we say, we've got to do this, and 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 really we don't have to do any of that. It's that we choose to do that. And sometimes I, I, I don't think we, we really understand in life that because of the choices that we make, we, we make life a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And a lot of times we get our priorities all messed up. I know that certainly happened to me. And we've talked about making these choices about being happy or sad, how we treat other people, being a friend, being an enemy, having a good or a bad reputation, or how to deal with mistakes. And I didn't plan it this way, but it's just the way it worked out today. I'm talking about a taboo stub, uh, subject, your money and your time. They just sort of all came together in the, in the next three points, so I'm just going to let them all be together there. And the first thing we want to talk about this morning is the choices we make with how busy we are with secular affairs. Sometimes we are so busy Someone may ask a, a young mother, uh, what, what's your day going to be like tomorrow? Well, first thing I do, I got to get up, I got to go to work, and after I get off work, I got to take Sally to soccer, and I got to take Johnny to basketball, and after that, I've got to go to my mother's house, and after that, I got to go home, and I got to get ready for tomorrow, then I got to go to bed. And the fact of the matter is, you didn't have to do any of that. Those were all choices. And we make decisions with how busy we are with secular affairs. We had a rule at our house. Maybe you do too. The kids were young growing up. You can only do one extracurricular activity because we're not going to run our lives running all over creation after you with doing all of this stuff. There are other things we've got to do in life too. And just with that, them having one thing each ran as crazy just as that was. And some kids have all sorts of things going on. I don't see how people do it. We make decisions with how busy we are with secular affairs. And I want to look at some very basic scriptures. There's no new scriptures here. You know these scriptures backwards, forwards, and, and you know them as well as I know them, but I want us to look at them, and this is more of a, a, a lesson to meditate upon and to think about, not really to learn something new. If you would look with me over in Matthew chapter 26, excuse me, Matthew 6, and beginning in verse 25, Verse 25, and, and you know the scripture so well. Jesus is talking here, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about you can't serve two masters. You can't serve spiritual things and worldly things. You can't serve God and mammon. In verse 25 he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, not for your body, as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is saying, is not life more than chasing after these secular affairs? Now, we've got to eat, and we've got to put on clothes. We, we've got to clothe ourselves, but that's not what life is about. And, and that's not what we're to be worried about. That's not what we're to be concerned about. There are things that are much more important than that. And then drop down to verse 31, as you know so well. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek, seek all these things. In other words, 
worldly people, they're concerned about that. They're making all sorts of choices. That's where their priorities are. Don't be like them. Our priorities are somewhere else. Our choices are based upon another set of priorities that are different from the world. Now the problem is, we like doing the things that everybody else does. And we want to go, young folks, to just as many movies as all of your folks at school. And you want to go out to eat just as much as everybody else at school. And the same for us adults. We want to do the same thing that everybody does at work, but we can't do that. We've got to make different choices. Why is it that folks in the world recreate so much on Sunday and don't go to church? We cannot expect to get in as much, as much recreation as everybody else because our choices are totally different. And so Jesus says in verse 33, So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our choices, our priorities, and our balance in life is important and different from the people in the world. We cannot focus all of our time and our energy on secular affairs like the people in the world. We can't do that. We manage our time differently and make different choices and the balance that is in our life is different. We can't compare ourselves to people in the world and if any comparison is going to be made, it's got to be with those who are Christians. And when we have courage to put God first in our life, then he'll take care of all these other things. I've told you before, I've been thinking about it quite a bit this week, Beth and I both had changed jobs so that we could serve God the way that we wanted. I was in a job, and I just couldn't go to church like I wanted to, and I just had to get out of that. So I made some career changes, and I can just imagine now that, you know, now that I've got a couple of daughters that are married, I've got a couple of son-in-laws, I've got, well, I counted the, counted the adopted grandchildren, I've got three grandchildren. And, you know, Beth and I were going to get married. I had just changed jobs. I had a very unstable job, and we were going to get married, and I could just imagine what her parents were thinking because they didn't know me from Adam. But I had done that because I couldn't serve God the way I wanted to serve God, and I was going to change jobs and, you know, just trust in the Lord and going to deal with it. And to tell you the truth, I was, my faith was really being tested because how am I going to support this other person? You know, I don't care if I hurt myself, but... If I hurt Beth because of my decisions, it's going to be hard for me to live with that, but I was trusting in the Lord. And you know as well as I do, the Lord blesses you every single time you make those hard, hard decisions, those hard choices, every time he does that. Turn your Bibles with me over to Matthew chapter 19, and let's remind ourselves of this. Our treasure is not here on earth. It's not where our treasure is. And we do not make our choices regarding having treasure here upon the earth. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. And someone came to him, and that's Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Now here is a good Jewish man. He says, well, what do I need to do to obtain Eternal life. What, what do I have to do to be saved? What's missing? And Jesus tells him, keep the commandments, and just rattles off a few of those. 
In verse 20, the young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Now, maybe he's wanting to be justified. He wants the Lord to say, Hey, you're not lacking anything. You're good. <laughs> no problem. But this is what the Lord said. If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And the man heard this statement, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Now, i tell you what I've been thinking about lately. As I was studying this lesson and talking about choices, was Jesus really serious here, or was he just playing around? That's what I want to know. Well, was he serious? You know, take all your possessions, you know, sell them, give to the poor, dedicate all that you have to service to me, go out there and do good. Was he serious? And I tell you what I've been wondering about, when it comes time for me to stand before him in judgment, am I going to be standing there? What I hear, I say, man, are you kidding me? Are you, were you serious? <laughs> I thought you'd just play around, you know? I didn't know you were serious about that. You know, I didn't know you were serious. You know, and I wonder, am I going to be really surprised at judgment time? I've really been thinking about that. In Matthew 16, 26, we won't take time to, know, to read it right now. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his son? You see, there's no profit in worldly things. But, but we have to be careful because we're living here on the earth. We're making comparisons with other people around us that are living in the world. And we want to be like them. We want to have the wealth. We want to have the security. We, we want to have the things. And we want to have the retirement. And so if we're not careful, we're making the same choices that they make. And that's why Jesus says, verse 23 of Matthew 19... Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And all of us here are rich. And we need to understand it's going to be hard for us to get into heaven because we are so tempted to make the same choices that everybody else in the world makes who is rich. In our college class, I talked with the young men there we're talking about the restoration and the sin that led up to that, the sin that's still prevalent in churches today. And we noticed in the history of that that when these departures came from the truth, it's when, it's when people started to have money. And all of a sudden they had this money in the treasury and some of them wanted to look like the world and like the denominations. And some people just wanted to get their greedy hands on that money and use it for what they wanted it to be used for. But those departures from the truth seem to come when there's some money that somebody can get their hands on. Jesus says it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. Now I ask you, was he serious? <laughs> And if so, he's telling all of us, look, it's going to be hard for you to get, to get into heaven. Because you're going to want to make the choices that everybody else in the world are making who is rich. And I'll never forget, you know, some things, some things you just never forget, and I'll never forget Jerry Flack coming back from South America and, and, and watching those poor people down there who, who, who didn't have all this stuff to get in the way. 
And then he gets back here and he sees the contrast. We've got a lot of distractions because of our wealth and our affluence. I look at the young people out here. Young folks, you've got a lot of distractions because you've got all of these cool things and you may have just got some of them the last few days and they can distract you. And you make choices to spend more time with secular things. Now, that can be good, but we get out of balance in our life and our priorities are all messed up. Then it's a lot of trouble. We've got to make those decisions. The fact of the matter is we have control over our schedules, how much we work, what jobs we work at, where we go to school, how much time we spend with school. You know, there's an old saying, time is money. We've got to invest time and we've got to invest money in our careers and in our education, but realize there's less time, money, and energy left for spiritual things. We've got to make decisions. And we can't be like the world and it's like 99.99% towards secular things and God might get a little bit left over. And with extracurricular activities, with the things we're involved in, how much time they take up, those are all choices that we make. If we are too busy to serve God the way that we ought to, then we are too busy, and that is our fault. I heard a preacher say one time that really made an impact on me. He says, you have TB, and you know how bad TB is. doesn't stand for tuberculosis. stands for too busy. You're too busy. I've never forgot that. I heard that as a young man. And our life reflects our choices, the choices we've made, whether or not we serve God first or the world. Young folks, I'm going to take an opportunity to say this. When you get out, you start working your jobs. It's not like you got to support a family. What are you trying to support? Going to the movies and eating pizza? Tell them up front, I do not work on Sundays or Wednesday night. Amen. And stick to it. Stick to it. Don't change. Visiting a congregation one time, I want to tell you a few stories. Because I, I, it's very easy for us to be guilty of the same things. Visiting a congregation one time, an elder was telling me about a sister as I was looking at the pictures up on the board and said, Sister so-and-so, she's not been to church for so long. She can't come to church and this and that and this and that. Well, he didn't know. I sort of knew sister, this sister he's talking about. And I asked him this. I said, how many days a, work, a week does she work? He didn't answer because he knew the answer. It's five. Five days a week. Go to work five days a week but not been to church for the longest time. And, and here is an elder justifying that. Ought not to be. There was a man recently. I was visiting with another congregation. There was a man walked in. This congregation doesn't have elders, but there, was, but there was an older man at the door. And as he walked in, he said, you know, we've not seen you lately. We've really missed you. He said, I've got to work. He said, well, I could work too. But the Lord wants us to be here to worship. You see, he came in and said, well, I've got to work. And the man at the door was saying, no, that's a choice. You see, we shouldn't say, I've got to work. I can't do this. I can't do No, that's a choice. If we say anything, we say, I have chosen not to be at worship. You see how that works. 
As Christians, faithful in the Lord, we work hard to make the right choices. And I tell you what, it is hard. And the Lord was right. It's hard for rich people to go to heaven because our choices are a lot harder than poor people that don't have any money. They can't choose to go to the movies. They don't have money to go to the movies. They can't choose to go out and eat pizza. They can't afford a pizza. They can't choose to stay home and watch pay-per-view on surround sound because they don't have cable, they don't have pay-per-view, and they don't have surround sound. As rich people, we are really tempted to be like the world. And we work hard to make the right choices and to have the right balance in our lives so that we do not neglect God and do not neglect serving Him. We work hard to make the right choices. It is a choice how busy we are in secular affairs. Along with this, we make a choice with how spiritual we're going to be. If you've been around very long, lived very long, as I have, you know from personal experience, you cannot be so busy doing so many things and still be as spiritual as you need to be. Spirituality takes time, work, and energy. It's not something that we can just sort of do on the fly without putting any time or effort into it. Perhaps you are like me. I've gotten so busy so, so, uh, so sometimes, and now that was my choice, that I feel myself getting weaker and less spiritual. Maybe that's happened to you sometime also in the past. And we've got to control that and make sure that does not get out of control. We make choices. In Psalms, Psalm 90 and verse 12, Psalm 90 and verse 12, David says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, now there is some benefit in numbering our days. And realizing, you know, I'm not going to be around here forever, that my time is limited, and so I better have my priorities lined up. Maybe you've been through an exercise. If you had one week to live, what would you do? And I know some things aren't practical with that exercise. Well, I quit my job. Well, that's not practical. But it helps us to think about, are my priorities really where they ought to be? Am I really doing what I ought to do? When we number our days, this helps us to be wise and to understand the choices and what choices are important and to understand our priorities. We can spend so much of our time and our energy that there is little or none left for God. We can spend so much time, so much energy that there is nothing left for God. As Christians, our choices and our priorities are such to put God first and to give Him the first allocation of time and energy. Sometimes on Saturday evening, somebody will say, you know, you want to go do something on Saturday evening? I don't want to do it on Saturday evening. Why? Because if I get in at like midnight, 1 o'clock, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, I am not ready to worship God. I can sit in the pew, and I can even, even manage to keep my eyes open, but I'm not worshiping God. My first allocation is toward God. 
and to doing those things. Satan wants us to be so busy that we don't have time to be spiritual. He wants us to be running around with like chickens with our heads cut off. I'm sorry if that offends someone. That's an old expression from the old days for me. He wants us to be running around going so crazy that we do not have time to be spiritual. There was a few years ago a dear friend of mine, a lady married to another friend of mine. I was visiting their congregation where they attended. I teaching a lesson similar to this. And after the lesson later on, I think we're eating lunch or something like this, she commented afterwards, not only do we have to worry about our finances, but we also must worry about our energy, the energy that we dedicate to secular things or we will not have energy for spiritual things. That, that's true. We can run ourselves ragged and not have energy to do spiritual things. Unfortunately, just a couple of years later, she did exactly that. She divorced her husband, has little contact with her children. She put the world first. She is somebody important in the world. But she left God to do it. And uh, my heart aches that she did this very thing, chasing a career, going to school, moving up in her career, left God and her family. She's got a great job. I don't think she has God. What does it take to become spiritual? I want to just review this with you really quick. If you'll turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I know, I know that y'all know this. And, and young folks, I know y'all memorized this recently. But, but I want us to look at this. And I want us to realize it takes time and energy to be spiritual. Peter says, now for this very reason also applying all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and I'm going to tell you something, it takes work to increase in these areas of life. We can't do it dead tired, can't even think straight come the end of the day, and getting up so early in the morning and hitting the road and running, we have no time for anything. We cannot increase. As a matter of fact, my experience is I decrease. How do we do this? In chapter 1, verse 3, through the true knowledge of God, through spiritual maturity, that takes time and energy. Being devoted to prayer, Romans 12, 12, that takes time, that takes energy. Not a saint forsaking the assembly of the saints, that takes time and that takes energy. For many of us, doing the things of life that are, that are necessary, such as feeding ourselves and clothing ourselves and going to work, spending time with the saints, assembling with the saints, leaves almost no time for anything else. Uh, my recreational activity used to be boating. 
and uh, I've not done that for a long time. Sometimes the kid, as a matter of fact, Dawn just recently bought me a little toy boat. <laughs> you know, she says, "This is my IOU. If I ever get rich, I'm going to buy you one of these." You know, I said, "Well, I hope it's bigger than this one." Uh, but you know, I told her, I said, "Dawn, you know, I look at my life. Even if I had a boat, when would I use it?" You know, what am I going to? Sometimes people, and, and this was a hard lesson for me to learn with my with my with my work with the Lord and with the church. They said, "Why don't you do this?" I said, "Well, you know, that would be really good, but you know, what would I have to cut out to do that? You know, I'm going to have to cut something out to be able to do that. You know, you think about it. Just take the necessity of going to work and sleeping, feeding yourself." You know, what, how much time does that really leave in a week? You know, I did the math, and I was pretty conservative with things. That leaves 48 hours a week. I mean, that's 48 hours a week for recreation and talking on the phone and taking care of the kids and all. I mean, that's just not a lot of time. Well, you take what the, the time that we spend here and the time necessary to come together and do the job that we ought to do and to be prepared. The way I figured it up, maybe you want to figure it up, is that uh, uh, of this free time that we have to like take care of the kids, is that 25 to 30% of that's taken up just assembling with the saints. That is a bunch. That's a big chunk. You add in our personal Bible study and our prayer and our meditation, that's, that to, to me, with my calculation being extremely conservative, was 30 to 35% of what's left over after we go to work, after we sleep, after we feed ourselves. 30 to 35% of that, just conservatively, is going to be taken up with being spiritual. And that does not leave a lot of times for taking care of the kids. We're going to have to work hard. As Christians, we do work hard. We work hard to make the right choices and to have the proper balance that we need in life and so that we grow spiritually. And there are going to be some hard, hard decisions to make along the way to do that. Third thing I want to talk about and the last thing is we also make a choice how much work we do in the kingdom. You see how this all sort of fits together. But turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Corinthians 16. The, the, the point that I want to make first of all is that in the Bible, this word work is used in a few different ways. In one way of using the word, you could say that everything I do as a Christian is work for the Lord. Yes, that's true, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the work we do for the kingdom. And I want to show you an example of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 10, Paul says, Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work. Well, that didn't mean getting up in the morning, getting dressed, taking care of the kids. That's We're talking about something else. And I'm talking about something else. The work that we do in the Lord's kingdom, such as personal work in evangelism and the work that we do with the congregation, that's what I'm talking about. We make a choice about that. And I know when we have young kids, life changes, and boy, a lot of that free time gets sucked out. You just don't have a lot of it. But before those kids are here, you got a lot more. And after those kids are grown up, you got a lot more. Sometimes it's hard to make the transition, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to transition. I don't have kids anymore. I got a lot more time. There's a lot more I can do. If we're not careful, we start using that extra time to. Go to the movies, hang out with friends, eat pizza, watch, 
you know, pay-per-view and all this other stuff, and we don't make that transition the way that we ought to. We should evaluate ourselves in both respects. Secular, our work that we're doing for the Lord, and our secular work, and also in the kingdom. Sometimes we justify our work for the Lord in secular affairs to try to excuse us from doing the other work. So you hear a lot of times, I've got to feed my family. The Lord wants me to feed my family. Don't take care of your family. You're worse than an infidel. But neglect all this other stuff. So the Lord doesn't want us to neglect anything. I think about our elders and our deacons. And I'm sure they do a lot more than I know about. But the amount of work that they do, and you know what? They got families. They got jobs. They got some hard jobs. They're super busy, and they do a lot of work for the Lord. I tell you what, sometimes I question myself. I, you know, I hope it's okay that I examine myself, but I do. I wonder, am I working as hard as they're working? I mean, they're busy. They are busy. And you know, we go out here to Campbell's area. Who's here? Elders? Deacons? I said, not only do they have to do what everybody else has to do, plus have all the affairs of the church, but they're out here doing this extra stuff too. My goodness. And then I just share a personal, personal examination here. I'm not talking about anybody else here. I don't examine anybody else. And I examine my family. I'll just be honest with you. If everybody did as much work as the elders and deacons does, I think we'd have some more work getting done. That's just, just my personal opinion. The ladies and their benevolence, well, oh, man, it's so good. Daniel taking, you know, the fudge over to Miss Irene, you know. These are ones I've recently heard of, and I know a lot of the other kids do a lot of other things, but she just told me about that last night, Daniel. That's why it popped in my mind. And one other, I know a lot of the ladies do a lot of things, a lot of things for Fran. I mean, that's wonderful, and, and that's what the Lord would have you to do. Fantastic. I'll tell you about this one, though, because it recently happened. Another one from Miss Irene. She said, every time Miss Donna brings over that basket of clothes, it's like Christmas. Because she hides little things in there, you know, little gifts and chocolate and things like that, you know. And I know many people are out doing things, and I've said some of those before. You know, some of the ladies on the way to work or take their lunch break or do things. And that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. Those things are work for the Lord. And they're hard. And we've got to do our schedules. And it makes it hard. We've got to make other decisions. There's a song, there's room in God's kingdom. There's work that we all can do. The, the, the fact of the matter is we choose whether or not to do that. There is work for us all to do, but we choose whether or not to do that. If you would take, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and, and I want to leave us with this thought. And, you know, this, this subject is very important to me personally. Because, you know, as a preacher, it's very easy. Unfortunately, I know some people who do this. 
It's very easy to, to do that which you're supported to do and think that all of your obligations are fulfilled, and that's just not true. I've got to constantly be evaluating myself on this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, Paul here is talking about giving. And there's a number of scriptures we could go to here, but I chose this one. He says, each one must do it just as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. God doesn't have a big stick out here making us do it. God wants us to voluntarily give of ourselves and to do it. God wants us to think and to decide and to make choices and to do so voluntarily. He doesn't want a bunch of people who are being made to do things. And they're just doing it because they've been made to do it. Philemon chapter 1 verse 14. Paul did not want to tell Philemon what to do. But he wanted him to do it freely, not under compulsion. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. God does not want elders to serve as those who are being, those under compulsion. He wants to do them to do it voluntarily because they want to do it. And I think the elders here have been very wise in that we, we don't have groups where they say, okay, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. The elders simply teach, look, this is what we ought to be doing as Christians. Now you decide. And so that none of this is under compulsion. And, and I tell you what, just for me personally, I know I've had a lot of me personals in the lesson, but just for me personally, when you see people who are out there serving the Lord, doing what is right and working in the kingdom, and they're just doing it of their own free will. You know, that is just the greatest thing in the world. I'm scanning the audience here. I won't see Fran, so I will tell this one. Friend, when she was here, just the other, well, I think it's probably the last time she was here, it was like three ladies all doing something for her, you know. And nobody had to tell any of these ladies anything. And I just happened to be around there and involved with one of the things, one of the ladies asked me to do something for her. And Fran just about broke down. Just to see what people are doing, and nobody told anybody, you know, go do this. You got it in nobody. Just people saying, you know, I choose. And that is just such a wonderful thing. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to choose. Well, that's the lesson. Are we making the right choices? You know, I've got to, as I tell you, I've really I examined myself quite often. And, uh, I don't think I'm too hard on myself. I hope I'm not coming across that way in the lesson. But I just share with you some thoughts I have about myself because, if anything, I don't want to get to Judgment Day and have treated all of this too lightly. And Jesus says to me, you know, Alan, I wasn't kidding when I was saying that. I was serious about it. You didn't take it serious, but I was serious about it. I don't want that to happen. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing, and I'm sure you do too. So we'll extend the gospel invitation. If you'd like to get your songbook out, number 423, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. When we are doing our best and being honest with ourselves and 
evaluating ourselves and making the right choices, it's such a blessing to trust in Jesus. Because we love God and love Jesus so much that that perfect love casts out fear and there's nothing to fear. Although we want to be diligent and work as hard as we can, we want to be honest with ourselves and evaluate ourselves properly, test ourselves, as the apostle says. It's so good to come back at the end of all of that and to trust in Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, you can trust in Jesus simply by obeying his commands. What has he asked you to do? Simply to believe in him, repent of your sins, that's to choose to change. Not to do the wrong things, but to do the right things. To confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you too can trust in Jesus. If we can help you at all this morning, why don't you come to the front now as we stand and sing.